This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name is Stacy. Thank you for joining us today. Alicia, you are bringing us a different kind of trashy divorces story today, huh? That I am, Stacy and friends. Today, I'm bringing you the trashy breakup currently happening of the most successful musical duo of all time, Hall and Oates. Oh, yeah. We don't just stick to marital misadventure around here. We are pretty committed to the trashy brand all-inclusive. Today, we're going to be talking about this musical partnership. These two, Daryl Hall and John Oates, have spent 50 years, 5-0, together. But now, in the continuing year of breakups, these two, they're going to court. There are restraining orders. It is messy. It is trashy. And we can totally go for that. Does sound like us. Before we begin today's episode, though, Stacey, I do have a magic mirror here with a ton of shout-outs to give to our most recent Patreon supporters. Whose name do you see shining in that magic mirror? Thank you so much, Carisha, Jane S., Nellie G., Wit C., Amy S., Aaron M., Anna S., Alyssa D., and Kai. Thank you all so much, new supporters and sustaining supporters. If you want to add more to your trashy divorces journey, Patreon.com slash Trashy Divorces is the place to go to find out about early ad-free episodes, dumpster dives, spider webs, more bonuses, Zoom salons, all the good stuff, and more. We can't tell you how much we appreciate all of our Patreon supporters and you for coming back to listen today. Your kiss is on our list. Alicia, I think it's time to get to this story. Let's go, go, go. So, Alicia, you've turned your private eyes to this story, and you're going to make our dreams come true today? That's exactly right. Perfect. This story begins with two kids from Philly, Philadelphia, just wanting to make all their dreams come true, and do they? Hall and Oates, 21 albums. They have sold over 80 million wow. records. Eight zero, The most successful musical duo ever. More than Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. More than the Carpenters, more than the Everly Brothers. These guys, Hall and Oates, were huge. Couldn't avoid them if you tried oh, for yeah. many, many years. Just hit makers for, I, I mean, I just, my childhood was filled with Hall and Oates songs. Hit makers, huge. And now, Hall and Oates are breaking up. I got really excited about perhaps doing this story when Hall & Oates made a surprise appearance on my Hulu the other night, I needed a, just a brain break, and I was watching this movie called You Again with Jamie Lee Curtis, Tell Your Dog I Said Hi, and Kristen Bell. I just needed something easy to watch. And hey, who shows up but Hall & Oates? In the soundtrack or in person? It, both. Oh, both. Perfect. And they're battling it out in court. They have been in this past last year and this year 
lawsuits, restraining orders, and I was like, whoa, we definitely got to cover this one on our good podcast about bad relationships. This is definitely a trashy breakup. So we're going to go back into better times. (laughs) We're going to talk about their meet cute. And it's a little bit unlikely how these two actually get together. Let's go ahead and give them a little background before we get them to their meet cute, which is Something a little different. Mm -hmm. You might not have heard it before. Okay, Daryl Hall is a music major at Temple. He was born October 11th, 1946, and Daryl is really, really, really into music. For younger listeners who might be like, who's Hall and Oates? Or how do you tell them apart? Daryl Hall is tall. He is tall, (laughs) yes. John Oates is not tall. So Daryl Hall, tall. It's a nice Mm -hmm. little, he's the tall guy, Daryl Hall. He loves music. Music is his life from an early age. And he is so into music that by the time he makes it as a freshman to Temple University, he is working with the legends of what is known as the Philly Sound, even from a young age. He's recording his own music. He's writing his own music, but he's also working as a studio session player for these two guys named Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff. They are the Philly sound. Gamble and Huff are a remarkably big deal in the music world. Patti LaBelle, the OJs, Lou Rawls, Wilson Pickett, the Jacksons, Teddy Pendergrass. These guys bring a distinctive sound, Gamble and Huff. Big deal. Daryl Hall is a teenager, is hanging out with these guys And all the people they're working with to create this new sound of music. As a teenager, he's going to make a band, Daryl Will. It's called the Temptones. Oh, God. Uh Uh-huh. And Gamble and Huff produce a record for the Temptones. They're getting gigs. The Temptones, Daryl Hall's band, actually beat both the Delphonics and the Ambassadors in a contest at the Uptown Theater. There's a lot of action for Daryl Hall's teenage band. Also, this allows Daryl Hall to meet everyone in the scene. Sure. As a teenager, he knows Smokey Robinson, the members of The Temptations. Wow. Here's Daryl Hall, like tall white kid with soul who can hang with the scene. His future looks bright. John Oates, not tall. Not tall. He goes to Temple for one reason and one reason only. It's in the city. He grew up outside of the city, and he doesn't want to be in a tiny town anymore. John actually gets offered a wrestling scholarship to a smaller, not city college. John's super into sports, but John's like, can I just want to go to the city, man? Mm -hmm. So it's Temple. John was born April 7th, 1948. He's a few years younger than Daryl Hall. John records his first song in 1966. These guys are both really musically talented, doing it in their own way. Everybody wants a band. It's the mid-60s. Sure. So let's move along to 1967, to the meet cute. Daryl Hall is a senior. John is like a sophomore. The two of them have differing accounts of how this story goes, but it essentially breaks down like this. Because they both have bands, Daryl Hall has a band, The Temptones, and John Oates has a band, not sure what that band's name is, but both of their bands are set to play against each other in this big 
Battle of the Bands competition. But alas, that night, they do not face off and shred. Something entirely different happens. There is a shootout that occurs with two rival fraternities or gangs at the Battle of the Bands competition. Wow. Which leaves Hall and Oates both scrambling to the service elevator to escape the ballroom where gunfire is breaking out. Hall, Oates, run to the lift. They meet, escaping with life and limb and a new friendship. In another version, this is according to Daryl Hall. They meet when, quote, we got in the middle of a fight at a dance. I have no idea what the fight was about. I guess the Greek letters on one gang's jacket didn't appeal to the other gang. We both beat it out the back and met on the elevator while leaving the place rather quickly. No matter. There's a fight. The two escape. Mm -hmm. They hang out. And it turns out they like the same music. They are both super into all the classic soul singers of their childhoods. They both love the Temptations. They meet and it's all about the music. Listen to that harmony. Look at this. Look at this. And as they say, a great partnership was thus born. Sure. And it was probably really cool because Hall knew a lot of the people that John Oates would have been listening to. Sure. So, so like, yeah, that's these two. What do you mean you're recording with these people? Like, with Gamble well, oh and God, Huff. Yeah. Tell me about this. Right. So these two. Fallen friend love. Yeah, fast friends, yeah. They get along. They're actually going to roommate up. This is how they get the name of their band. Because on their mailbox, it says Hall and Oates. On every one of their albums, they're not known as Hall and Oates. They're known as Daryl Hall and John Oates. Mm. But everybody kind of calls them Hall and Oates. Sure. Harkens back to that same mailbox. They like the way it sounds. The duo's born. Now, each one of them has their own album. They're both doing their own music, but they're living together and like sort of collaborating, but it's not a full-fledged thing yet. So it comes time for Daryl Hall to graduate. About six weeks before he's supposed to graduate, he gets hauled in for a meeting with his advisor because Daryl Hall is so busy. Gamble and Huff, studio sessions, all the things. And his advisor is like, Daryl, you can graduate with a music education degree and teach music or you can be a live musician but you cannot do both like this is unsustainable for you so daryl hall is like "Mm, i'm gonna be a live musician Mm -hmm. quit school quits college six weeks before he graduates Hmm. john oates will graduate with a degree in journalism a few years later he transfers schools but these two live together for a while. They're playing together. They're writing mostly separately, though. But they will play together in coffee houses, not large places, 75-seat venues, but they're making some moves. And the two of them like the thing they got going. They're blending pop and rock and soul and R&B and disco, too, into something kind of unique. So they think maybe this Hall & Oates thing could be a thing. So what do these kids from Philly do? They're going to pack up their bags and move to New York or Los Angeles. New York City. Okay. First guess, best guess to make a deal. They're going to make it big in the music industry. We're going to find out if they do when we come back from a quick break 
to hear from our sponsors. Didn't realize you were sliding a transition in there. We'll be right back. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right. There's two kids from Philly with a dream. Heading to New York City, looking for a deal. Who do they run into in New York City? But a very young, newly hired, glorified gopher at this music publishing company... His name is Tommy Matola. <laughs> okay, Mariah Carey's ex-husband. That's exactly right. Pre all that. Okay. Pre all that. And Tommy Matola, he's like, oh, I get the coffee around here, right? Mm-hmm. Like he is so young, but Tommy Matola really likes what he sees in Hall and Oates. And Tommy says, like, Hall and Oates was the best thing he ever heard. Hello, new manager. It doesn't go too badly. Holland Oates get signed to Atlantic. Their first record with Atlantic is kind of a grab bag. Your, your first album is stuff Stu- you've yeah. written for a hundred years. years. Yeah. There are no real successful singles off of it. The next album is a little bit more successful, but again, no big singles. Holland Oates are gonna kind of slow burn until their career really catches on fire. From 1974 to 1991, Holland Oates released 33 singles. 29 of those 33 singles will make the top 40. Six of those 33 will make it to number one. Let's take a journey back through our childhoods. Rich Girl, Kisses on My List, Private Eyes, Mm -hmm. I Can't Go For That. Who could forget Man Eater? Sure. Out of touch. Who couldn't karaoke any of these on Mm. demand? Okay. Maybe it wasn't a number one, but there are big hits that are coming up in the top 10. Sarah Smile. She's Gone. You Make My Dreams Come True. Family Man. Say It Ain't So. Method of Modern Love. By the mid-70s, though, I don't know if you remember the mid-70s. You were still a... We babe, but androgyny was the thing. It's an amazing thing happening sort of in visual arts. David Bowie has done his Ziggy Stardust cover. And the guy that was responsible for creating David Bowie's look for the Ziggy Stardust cover, his name is Pierre LaRoche. Pierre LaRoche is hired to do Hall and Oates for their breakout cover. It's very androgynous. Pierre LaRoche is also the makeup and costume designer for another picture film that comes out 
that same year. Hall and Oates, their androgyny self-titled album comes out in August 1975. A little film called The Rocky Horror Picture Show comes out September 1975. So Hall and Oates are very much like in the trend But people, when they see this album, are like, whoa, slow up, stop the traffic, y'all. Are these guys lovers? Like, what's even happening with these guys? They're not, but they have been. (laughs) I got some funny, funny stories coming up on Spiderwebs over on Patreon this week. Wait, they have been lovers with each other? They fooled around a little. That's spiderwebs. That's not part of... It, I did not know that. It was an early 70s thing. So the this is what's coming on spiderwebs. If y'all want to know, like, here's your hot secret drop of what's coming on Patreon. The same guy who outs Elton John the year before lands an interview with Hall & Oates at this time during the Androgyny album. And I think he's trying to do the same thing to them. But they both reassure this guy like, no, nah, man, we're really into girls. But hence it was the 70s. Sure. More on that on Patreon. Okay. There's always more to the story. The 70s were a weird and wacky time. We'll you know, just put it that way. A couple of adventurous young men with a lot in common. Who who can say? Girl in the middle. Not um, gay, right? But this guy's, again, trying to out them. And, there's, they're, and they're both like, there's nothing to out here. Uh, it's really kind of an interesting expose. We'll talk about that on Patreon. Okay, okay. so... Here in the main story, Holland Oates, finally, after coming to New York, getting signed by Atlantic, making a few albums, this is the album that really lands them. Now they're really slow burning their way to the top. She's Gone comes out. That's released. It hits number six. Their first number one follows six months later with Rich Girl. When that hits number one, Daryl Hall buys himself a brand new 1976 Cadillac Seville. His manager, Tommy Matolo, buys an identical one as Daryl Hall just for funsies. So, hello, rolling into the 1980s. Top I of the world. want my MTV. Mm. Yeah, MTV changes everything. MTV yep. launches in 81, and Hall & Oates is like, Psh, let's make some music videos. Let's be guest VJs. Let's make promos. Hall and Oates are all in. And to be fair, a lot of their dopey videos are a little cringy to watch. But so are a lot of videos from that time. But Hall and Oates really do have some classic cringe with a lot of themes and tropes. Uh, Close-ups of jazz hands floating through the air. We got fluffy mullet hairdos. Suit jackets worn without a shirt underneath. You've got your sunglasses in a dark room, faces entirely too close to the camera. Sure. Electric keyboard always playing a prominent role. I think what was happening was that, again, because a lot of these musicians were quite young, a lot of them probably had friends who were film students. And so this was just a really experimental time. Oh, like, yeah. There, there's a Rick Springfield video from this era that is like some kind of sci-fi madness. I mean, it, it is... This oh, was, it was the Wild West. Oh, yeah. Questionable set choices. Oh, sure. We won't even mention the outfits. Like, 80s yeah. videos are a creation all their own. Mm. It's uh, almost like real men of genius, that dumb 
set real videos of genius because everyone is just so delightfully cringe in its mm-hmm. own special way. Sure. The <laughs> 1980s videos for MTV are definitely a window into the time period. Now, I guess we should set this in here is that Holland Oates, as successful as they are during all of this, are maybe not making the smartest choices with their money. Okay? <laughs> uh, Daryl Hall said back in May of 2023 about the music business, <laughs> I think we've seen this uh, bear out to be true. The music business is closer to organized crime. It is based on exploitation and thievery, even at its best. The artist is always the one to get the scraps. Yep. You make the money from playing live. That is my income. I've been live for years. Daryl puts the blame both on he and John for not paying more attention in those days. But now, he says, in May of 2023, we know what we're doing. That's going to come back to haunt mm. them. So, Holland Oates. Both do through the 1990s tour a lot. They're living the life. They're making their dreams come true. No privacy, but fans and shows. By the late 1990s, they fade out a bit, but they're still on tour. Again, they're the most successful musical duo of all time. They go kind of quiet. They both tour solo because each have their own musical things they're doing. But it's in 2008... 35 years since they first performed as an opening act. They do a show at my favorite California place to see a show, The Troubadour. Troubadour. That puts them again back on the map. People are like, oh yeah, we forgot about how great Hall & Oates were. 2014, the duo is inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It is in this time period that... Hollow Notes music starts getting picked up to be used in film. Again, we forgot how great Hollow Notes mm-hmm. were. They have a cameo in the movie Pixels in 2015. In 2016, they get their Hollywood star on the Walk of Fame. Amazing that it took that long. Well, you apply for it and pay for it. It's, you know. Gotcha. Okay. Like, it's something you can, if you're famous enough, they're going to be like, yeah, cool, you want one? Great, let's see where we can fit you. It's a little bit different of a system. In 2018, Hall & Oates are ranked in Billboard's Hot 100 Artist ranked. They're ranked number 18 of all artists of all time and number 6 in the Hot 100 of duos and groups. That's pretty impressive. Recently, they've come back With a strength. They're in a bunch of movies. All kinds of good songs. They have eight certified platinum albums. And maybe because they've made this resurrection and that back catalog might be Mm -hmm. looking a little bit more attractive, a little bit more lucrative, this is going to lead us to the stickiness that is coming in the Holland Oates breakup. We are going to take one more break here. And when... We come back, we're going to find out how that meet cute and 50 years of a partnership breaks down. Mm, It all goes bad. We'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. 
So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Ladies and gentlemen, what are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making just keep it simple. I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Brav Bros, two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. No. Oh. Dude, stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Brav bros. Good job. All right, let's break it down. Hall is suing Oates. You heard it here. 50 years apparently means nothing. Or it means a lot. Let's get into it. So the best... I pulled a few articles about how it all goes down. Because they're currently in court. They've been in court for a long time. I am taking this from Yahoo.com Entertainment just to answer some basic questions. We first want to know what have Hall and Oates been up to separately and together in recent years, right? Mm-hmm. The last decade and a half has been one big Hall and Oates revival. The prominent placement of You Make My Dreams in the 2009 Joseph Gordon Levitt and Zoe De Chanel rom com, 500 Days of Summer as well as commercials from brands ranging from KFC to TJ Maxx. Daryl Hall, his Webby Award-winning variety show, Live from Daryl's House, that runs from 2007 to 2014, recently rebooted. There have been pop culture homages like the Bird and the Bees album, Interpreting the Masters, Volume 1. There was a tribute to Daryl Hall and John Oates. And Jim Class Heroes cheekily titled Daryl Hall for President 07 Tour. Hall and Oates finally inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They collaborated on high-profile concert tours with fellow 80s bands Tears for Fears and Squeeze. As Daryl Hall told Yahoo Entertainment in 2018, after, quote, the media were a bunch of fucking assholes... Unquote. To Holland Oates, for many years, there seems to be a quote-unquote sea change. And boy, it has. Doing great. All kinds of resurrected. Everybody wants to get a piece of Holland Oates. November 17th of 2023, Daryl Hall filed a suit against John Oates in the Nashville Chancery Court. Okay. That's not all. Not just the suit. There is also a TRO, a temporary restraining order. Court documents are sealed at this point. I've been on this story for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like, when is this going to break? So court documents are sealed. 
but all the trashy details are going to come forth slowly to light. Six days later, November 23rd, Thanksgiving surprise, TMZ reports that Holland Oates have been in arbitration. So what's the big fuss? John Oates, who plays several shows a month solo, and also has a number of co-writing credits on their songs, is essentially having a little beef with his partner, Daryl Hall, about which songs John is or is not allowed to play at his solo shows. Explain. He can sing She's Gone and Sarah Smile and You Make My Dreams and I Can't Go For That and Maneater, but he cannot sing other crowd-pleasing classics like Rich Girl, Kisses on My List, Private Eyes, One-on-One, Method of Modern Love, Say It Isn't So. So John's mad. Like, Daryl, I should be able to sing our whole catalog. And Daryl is like, oh, no, 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 no. That is not the way it works. So November 28th, five days later, the AP, Associated Press, reports that that is not what's happening at all. It's a ruse. Okay, here's the undercover story. The real battle is about John Oates wanting to sell his share. Oh, of their whole Oats Enterprises to Primary Wave IP Investment Management, LLC. Mm-hmm. Some private equity firm. That's exactly right. So he just wants to cash out, which, I mean, he's an old guy, you know. Now, Primary Wave IP already owns a significant interest in the Hall & Oates catalog. Holland Oates made a deal with them back in 2006, but Daryl Hall is not even happy about the deal they did then. Hall has argued that John Oates selling the rest of this catalog would cause him imminent irreparable harm. So let's break this down just a little bit with some questions. Again, from Yahoo, I thought this guy was really good. Michael Ackerman, he's an entertainment attorney. He's not a party in this case. He just knows a lot about entertainment law. So we have some questions here, right? Can Hall really stop Oates from performing the band's material? Is Oates legally only allowed to sing the songs on which he has writing credit? Michael Ackerman says, I don't see how Daryl Hall can dictate the playlist of a John Oates solo show. The only license or permission legally required for live performance of songs is a public performance license, typically issued on a blanket basis by ASCAP, BMI, or SESAC, S-E-S-A-C. Unless they've changed affiliation, Daryl Hall and John Oates were with BMI since the 70s because the only license required for a live show is a public performance license, which would be issued by BMI, which is typically obtained by the venue, not the performer, Hmm. from BMI. And presumably, every event that John Oates has played or will play has obtained a license from BMI. There would seem to be no way to say that the performance, for example, of Kisses on My List, a song John Oates did not write, Daryl Hall and Jana Allen did, is improper because the public performance of it falls within public performance license issued to BMI by that venue. This is all like legally, this is why they're in chancery court, Mm -hmm. right? It's tricky. Mm -hmm. 
Ackerman goes on to say that there may be something in the agreement between Daryl Hall and John Oates, be it a partnership agreement for the LLP or a corporate operating agreement that prevents one or the other from performing certain songs that were primarily composed by the other partner who is not in attendance. I doubt that's the case, in part because it would be so much more advantageous to Daryl Hall, but it's possible. Next up, can Hall really stop Oates from selling his share of the band's catalog? Michael Ackerman continues, Whether or not John Oates had a right to sell his share of the company would be dictated by the LLP agreement. It is common in such agreements, especially where it's a two-partner or even a three-partner entity, to include a right of first refusal if one partner wants to sell his or her share in that partnership. In that way, the other partner or partners may buy out the selling partner themselves. There could also be a matching right in such an agreement which would provide for the other partners to be allowed to match any purchase price obtained by the selling partner. Again, Ackerman's like, this is all speculation. We don't know. Everything's sealed. What is likely, he says, is that there is either no language in the agreement limiting both partners' rights to sell their shares, or more likely, there is some language in the agreement which limits the rights of each partner to sell in certain circumstances. This is what I thought was interesting because you and I, especially around trashy divorces here, temporary restraining order, Mm -hmm. and it's normally done, right, in situations of domestic violence. Like, there's a physical threat. But it turns out you can file a temporary restraining order as well in... Other kinds of cases where physical threat yeah, is not I, the... I think I just thought they were called injunctions in that situation, but maybe Tennessee Chancery Court, the Court of Equity, Okay, so were. let's unpack this a little bit. While most people assume restraining orders are a last resort due to the threat of violence, mm-hmm. there are other reasons for such a move. Ackerman again explains a temporary restraining order, or TRO, is typically an emergency remedy to stop something that is happening imminently from happening. Like selling your catalog to the private private equity firm. It can be related to threat of violence, either from a stalker or in a domestic situation, or it can be the sale of a publishing catalog or a company. To obtain a temporary restraining order, the movement must prove four things. The likelihood of success on the merits that irreparable harm will result from the contemplated action, that less harm will result if the injunction is issued, than will result if the defendant is allowed to do what is contemplated, and a determination that the public interest is best served by the issuance of the order. Makes sense. So the court did order the TRO? Yeah, court ordered the TRO. There was a hearing set for Thursday, November 30th, that considered extending Hall's restraining order. Since that time last year, zero. All of this sort of happened in the fall of last year. October 2nd, even before all that stuff, I said, John Oates without informing Hall. The thing is, John Oates went kind of behind Daryl Hall's back and was like, hey, primary wave, I want to sell this. And Hall's attorneys and Hall, once he got wind of it, was like, oh, no. So all that stuff happened in October. 
We've had November court dates. Everything's still under seal. The case was set for arbitration. A Nashville judge halted anything happening with any kind of sale until February 17th or until a resolution was reached. Everything's still under seal. No news. Zero news is going on. So I am desperate to find out how this is going to break down. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all about that back catalog. I wonder, though, since nothing happened on the 17th, apparently, if that means that negotiations are going fairly well. And so the judge didn't see any reason to intercede. I hope so. I don't know. But Hall and Oates, breaking up. I wonder if just the private equity firm was willing to outbid tall Daryl Hall. And uh, Oates was like, yes, I would prefer that payout to what you can give me. And now the court's got to work out like, well, what what does the contract say? Yeah. This is why getting real good lawyers when you're setting stuff up is a super terrific idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So everything's still under seal. I mean, you know, all of that is speculation. But again, back catalog, John Oates apparently wants to sell it. Again, to a firm that already has a significant stake in it. Mm -hmm. So it seems like this is going to continue on with no clear resolution yet. But those boys are breaking up. Like, had they remained friends over the... Like, were they they close in any... talk all the time. Daryl Hall is like, I've been friends with John since we were teenagers. Like, they don't write music together. It reminds me a lot of... Amy Ray and Emily Saliers from the Indigo Girls. Mm-hmm. They both write independently, but get together to like do their thing when they get together to do their thing. They both live on opposite sides of the United States. So they'll talk because they've been friends since high school. Daryl Hall and John Oates. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, I don't know. This this seems bad for the friendship and that that is a shame. It seems bad for their musical duo-ship. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they will cease being friends, but I don't know. It gets tricky when you get to the Chancery Court. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, well, it occurs to me, though, that the Nashville Chancery Court, I was going to make a joke about the Delaware Chancery Court, which has kind of ended up being prominent in the nation's life, what with Twitter and all kinds of things happening up there. Uh, But for a music dispute, the Nashville Chancery Court makes perfect sense. It's Nashville. It's where Songwriters Row is. It's right. This is a probably a court of equity with a lot of involvement in intellectual property disputes. Well, and it's unfortunately not like this hasn't been going on. Mm -hmm. So even back long before 2023, back in late 2022, Daryl Hall indicated he was considering Oates's suggestion to dissolve their touring entity and distinct partnership due to their musical compositions and publishing. So Daryl Hall puts forward a proposal to dissolve Whole Oats Enterprises, their LLC. And that backfires. So it seems like they have been quietly working through this in court now going on almost two, two years. years. Yeah. Well, God love them. Wish them the best. I don't know. They're man eating each other. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. 
trash cans i don't even know until yeah. it gets resolved but i bet they're worth a whole lot of millions with mm-hmm. that back catalog mm-hmm. catchy catchy trash cans catchy catchy trash cans i mean those boys can write a song i will say that both of them mm-hmm. can write a song Y'all, that's a trashy breakup of Holland Oats. As soon as I get further details on it, we'll throw that into Dumpster Dive. Love it. But I just, like, 50 years you break up your I know. musical partnership. I know. But, yeah, cashing out, you know, maybe that's the right Nothing move. lasts forever. I guess. Maybe. Anyway, well, thanks for that. I know you've been watching that for a while. Hey, you probably like that story, No Murders. None. No murders. No. <laughs> when I say temporary restraining order, it normally goes a different way. It does. <laughs> it does. Ugh. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to that one. This week over on Patreon, we have already dropped a dumpster dive, but I've got two different spider webs coming up. I've got some spider webs back from the last episode on James Brown and Holland Oats. Those are coming for you on Patreon this week. Don't forget also, if you want a little bit more of our trashy brand, two other places to find us. You can check us out on Thursdays at Trashy Royals, wherever you listen to podcasts. Currently going through the wow, (laughs) wow marriage of Louis and Edwina Mountbatten. I think we're on part four this week. We got a lot of uh, Edwina's continuing affairs. Yep. But also, in this episode, Edwina and Louie decide it's going to be an open marriage. At least for Dickie. I was going to say, since Edwina had already (laughs) decided that for herself. Trashy Royals comes out for you on Thursday. Also, every single Monday. And actually, I've been double dropping just to get through it. Done and done. If you are following Feud, Capote versus the Swans. You are deep diving it. Holy cats, we are going through every episode and all the background information behind that episode. If you're into the swans, Done and Done is going to be the place you're going to want to go to get all that hot, gossipy trash. Holy cats, I think that's it. I think that's it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and being awesome, spending your time with us, your kind reviews and emails and support on Patreon and telling your friends and generally just being the best audience that's ever existed. Your kiss is on our list. (laughs) We love y'all until we meet again. Keep your hands clean, friends. Keep those hearts trashy. Big love, everybody. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacey and Alicia with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly 
slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there, and thanks again, everybody, for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.